everybody, welcome into Sportstopia Fantasy Fire and Ice MLB Edition. It's your boy Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, along with George Bissell, like the vacuum cleaner. Uh, short little quick program today. Talk about some major league baseball. Obviously, season came to a close yesterday. A postseason getting ready to start. A postseason with a dark house in the boogie down Bronx, not sitting well with the fantasy executive. But we do got plenty of stuff to talk about. We got our wild card series set. And I do want to get in and talk about the season awards, get George to give out some awards for this season and let me know who he thinks. Well, we'll talk about it. What's up, George? What's going on? Congratulations to getting towards the end of an MLB season. Did you win any championships? No, not not that, not this year. But, okay. you know, it was a good season overall. A lot of uh, picks panned out and it was a real exciting year. So I'm actually on the road. I'm up in Maine right now. So on vacation. So that's not stopping me from. Uh, diving into the postseason picture and uh, making some picks. We got some really interesting matchups that we're going to talk about uh, for the postseason series. And obviously a lot to talk about with the awards as well for full season awards. Hey, I had a homegirl move up to Maine. She was from like, she's like from Georgia, right? And on a whim, she moved up to Maine. And she was like, I mean, it's nothing more different than rural Georgia in, in Maine. And she was like, the scenery is amazing in Maine. You know what I'm saying? Like, she kept talking about how beautiful it was to look at. Yeah. So I'm in downtown Portland right now, and I have the window shut. But if I were to open those, you'd be able to actually see the ocean. That's how cool it is. So, yeah, it, I love it up here. It's a lot of fun. So uh, it's totally different than Georgia, I'd imagine. So. Yeah. The humidity <laughs> is a little bit different, too. Uh, it was like the state of Georgia. <laughs> yeah, it was like 40 degrees this morning. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had the heat on and it was 72. So you know how it's going to like a little bit of tint in the air right here. Can uh, get the fantasy executive to turn the heat on. So let's let's get into it and, and discuss uh, some of the things that took place this season. So let's, uh, you know what, because I want to start with the Cincinnati Reds. Because I remember I was doing the morning show earlier this year, and every day we had topics about the Cincinnati Reds. And I, I thought it was going to be a 30 for 30 on this year's Cincinnati Reds. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how did the season end up ending for the Cincinnati Reds? Yeah, so that's the volatility of top prospects is there's typically an adjustment period. When you get to the majors, typically you struggle a little bit. Then you adjust. The league adjusts back to you. You adjust again. And then you take off. So we saw that with a lot of their top prospects. They brought up guys like Ellie De La Cruz, uh, Matt McLean. A lot of their top pitching prospects came up as well. And really what happened was they all kind of faded down the stretch. De La Cruz hit like under 200 after the All-Star break wow. uh, the last two months there. So that's typically what happens with young guys. And obviously De La Cruz is the centerpiece of everything they're going to do going forward. And he's one of the most uniquely talented athletes in the sport. But, you know, he swings and misses a lot. He's very aggressive. So there are, there are some things with his plate approach that need to improve if he's going to be that franchise cornerstone for them. And McLean, their other highly touted rookie prospect, he got hurt. He had an oblique issue uh, that knocked him out for the last month of the season. And a lot of those young rookie pitchers, they had a big COVID outbreak at one point in September. And a lot of them faded down the stretch from just, you know, having more work, a bigger workload this year. Uh, than they had in the minors. So those were really the two things that I, I think dragged the Reds down and kept them out of the playoffs. All right. So it, it was fun while it lasted, basically, for the Cincinnati <laughs> yeah. Reds. You know, I said that. Now, this guy, De La Cruz, when we start doing fantasy drafts next year, well, really, the best ball crew going to start in, like, December. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, they, yeah, when they start, what's up with De, De La Cruz? 
you know, how high, well, where, where do you see him going in, in fantasy leagues next year? 12 team rotos, 15, so, whatever. If my recollection is correct, I think he's a top 60 pick just okay. on the volatility where, you know, if he gets hot and the batting average increases a little bit or he's not as much of a risk there, you know, as long as he's hitting like 220, 240, uh, he's going to, you know, hit enough homers and steal enough bases that he's going to make a huge impact. It's obviously a really favorable ballpark for him. It's a good rest of the lineup. So I think he's a borderline like fourth or fifth round pick, maybe even going a little higher in those best ball formats where, you know, that's where you want to take shots on guys with that type of stratospheric like upside. It's basically the Corbin Carroll starter set where from a power speed standpoint, the the outstanding uh, rookie for the, the Diamondbacks, who I think will be a first round pick in drafts next year. I think De La Cruz gets bumped down a little bit just because of some of the volatility with the batting average. Like if he bats 190, it's he's not going to return that first or second round uh, value for fantasy managers. So I, I do think he's an early round guy just based on the upside, but there's a lot of risk there in the profile and, and the swing and miss just amplifies that. All right. Uh, who is NL rookie of the year? Corbin Carroll for me. Uh, he had just a phenomenal season. Uh, and he was a guy who was a highly touted prospect who debuted last year, got into a handful of games uh, for Arizona, but just took off this year at 25 homers and 54 steals. Uh, it's good. rare to see anybody do that, <laughs> period. Uh, so for a rookie to do that in his first taste of the majors uh, is, is outstanding. The only concern for Carroll, I think, long term, and like I said, you know, I think he's going to be a first-round pick in fantasy drafts next year. But there are some like shoulder issues that kind of cropped up for him where he didn't he didn't wind up missing any time, but he did have a, a couple of instances this year where the shoulder became an issue where it kept kind of popping out on him and it was kind of bizarre, but he ended up being able to play through it. So that's just something to watch going forward with him. But he's one of the most talented five category contributors you're gonna get in the entire fantasy landscape. He's phenomenal. All right. National League Cy Young Award. Uh, so that one is actually one of the more interesting ones. Really? Sweat for that one, huh? Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, it looked like it was going to be a, like a four or five pitcher race. And then Blake Snell just was so dominant down the stretch that he kind of sewed up the award uh, pretty easily. Snell had one of the best seasons uh, of any pitcher in the majors, was just under three earned runs per start basically the entire year. Um, and I, I think he's going to run away with that one. That one might end up being unanimous. There's another couple guys who I think will be finalists, like Logan Webb, Zach Wheeler, uh, Spencer Strider, Zach Gallen, guys who are going to pitch in the postseason here. Yeah. Um, but Blake Snell was far and away the best guy during the regular season in the National League. Yeah, no, shout out to Blake Snell. I know I've been following him a couple seasons, and people are like all over Blake Snell. And I know a couple of cats all had those tickets from earlier this year, so hopefully that does cash for, uh, for those dudes right there. Um, NL, NL, um, I guess I think I know who the NL MVP is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anybody else to consider? Yeah. Mookie Betts has a case based okay. on the advanced metrics. So if you look at, uh, fan graphs war or baseball reference war, this is really like high level, like analytical takes here, but I think there are going to be some voters who consider Mookie Betts just because of how valuable he was. 
from a defensive standpoint. He played second base. He played right field. He played shortstop. So give him a gold glove. I mean, what, what are we doing? <laughs> and, and Betts had a phenomenal season. Uh, but when you look at what these tend to be narrative-driven awards, a lot of times they've they've gone to more of a data-driven, uh, you know, process over the last few years as as the voters have gotten younger and are more into advanced statistics, sabermetrics. But I think when you look at what the Braves did as a team, you know, breaking the league record for homers in a season, and when Ronald Acuna was at the epicenter of that with just a, a historic campaign, I think you have to give him the award. I yeah. mean, he, he literally created <laughs> the 40-70 the club. Like, nobody's yeah. done that. So 40 homers, 70 steals, like, you got to give it to him. I think he deserves it. My man Kyle Chappelle on the chat says, appreciate the research, fellas. That's dudes like George and the guys over at Sportstopia.io. I'm just the vessel, the fantasy executive to drive the boat for these fellas. Um, but yeah, Acuna was crazy. You know what's so crazy, George? It's like, you know, like it's like a, a group of cats came in like around the same time all together, like Tatis and Glaber Day and stuff like that, and all of these next big thing in baseball. Yeah. It's Ronald Lacuna, and it's not even close. No, he's he's kind of always been the guy, and uh, you mentioned that group coming in. It's the the sports changed so much where teams used to build around veteran players, you know, and free agent signings, and now instead it's you know building around guys who are like international prospects and guys who come in and debut at like nineteen. Like Acuna debuted like when he was like twenty years old, so. Uh, these guys are are getting younger. They're coming in and making an immediate impact, and that's been the biggest change in the game. Like the Rays just brought up a guy, Junior Caminero, who's like this phenomenal prospect for them, and he's basically playing every day now, and could be for the future for them. He's twenty, so he's wow. gonna, be, yeah. So he's gonna be in, you know, the conversation there, uh, like a, an Acuna, where, you know, he's. The, the game's totally changed. Just these younger guys come in and they make a huge impact right away. All right. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt uh, better boy says, Matt Olson, no shot at MVP? Yeah, so obviously leading the league in homers will get you on ballots. I think he'll get some down ballot votes. But these awards, basically the way they're decided now is based on war. And that's why I'm talking about like a Mookie Betts along yeah. there with Ronald Acuna. Acuna, from a war standpoint, was right up there. His, his offense... It, but his production was driven by offense. Um, his defensive metrics are okay, but he's not an elite defender by any means. And Olsen's, you know, a, a good first baseman, but I, I think you look at the totality of, of the contributions, I think Betts and Acuna are going to get more votes. All right, let's go over to the American League, and let's start with the American League Rookie of the Year. Uh, so this one's interesting to me because I think – uh, Gunnar Henderson's probably going to win it. I love that name. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And like I was just talking about with the younger core, the Orioles have one of the youngest cores in baseball. They have mm -hmm. so many young guys who are contributing and uh, really leading things with Adley Rushman obviously being at the epicenter of that. And they have a guy, Jackson Holiday, who's 19, who could come up and play in the playoffs potentially for them if they need another guy. So. They're really interesting. I think Henderson wins it based on the, the full season production, but I do want to give Zach Geloff a shout out uh, because he was phenomenal. He was one of only six hitters to have 14 homers and 14 steals after the all-star break. Uh, he's the second baseman for the A's. I bet a lot of, not a lot of people know about him. Uh, he wasn't this huge, big hyped prospect either. So I think he'll maybe finish second or third uh, on ballots uh, in the AL for rookie of the year. 
AL Cy Young? So this one gets a little more complicated. I can imagine uh, so. I think Garrett Cole probably wins it based on the gem he spun in his last start there. Uh, but I think Sonny Gray had an outside shot. Uh, he was close to leading the league in ERA. Uh, Kevin Gossman, Zach Eflin, I think Framber Valdez are also going to get votes. But yeah, Framber. What's up with him? Yeah, he's been good. I mean, he had the no-hitter this year, obviously. Um, he had a little bit of inconsistency, and his last start against the Mariners wasn't great. So I think Garrett Cole is going to win this one. And, you know, if you look – at his resume so far, um, I don't think he's won a Cy Young before. So this will be his first. He's finished second twice. That's right. So six-time All-Star, he's won an ERA title, but he never had a Cy Young, um, despite maybe being the best pitcher in baseball in some of those years. So that, I think it's deserving, and and it's unfortunate that the Yankees, your team there. Hey, relax. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, nobody can pull away from a team like I can. <laughs> well, I'm just like playing. you look at what Aaron Yankees. Judge was able to do in yeah. you know the amount of games he played. Like this is a team that probably should have been in the playoffs. They they had the talent there. They had just done a couple things differently uh, from a roster construction standpoint, and we'll see if they make any changes this offseason. We'll yeah. Hey, um. You know who else has never won? Just I don't know if you you probably know this. You being a baseball guy, you know that Nolan Ryan has never won a Cy Young award. Yeah, there there's some controversy controversy about um, some of those awards uh, over the years. Obviously, this he had what the seven no hitters. Um, yeah, like it's so crazy, George. Because if the award was not named the Cy Young award, <laughs> it'd be named the Nolan Ryan award. You know what I'm saying? But he's never won the award. That's wild yeah. to me. No, I know. I, some of those years, he had a three. What was a three hundred strikeout season? Uh, didn't win it. Uh, you know, he's. I don't know. Some the awards have changed, and, and this is kind of what I was talking about with the process of the, the the voters getting younger and relying less on traditional statistics because Nolan Ryan was on some bad teams, so he wouldn't get a lot of wins. Yeah. So the voters held it against him, and I think now it started to change with Felix Hernandez in twenty thirteen, where people said. Look, I know Felix Hernandez didn't have a ton of wins because the Mariners were terrible that year, but he was clearly the best pitcher from a, like a run prevention standpoint. Uh, I, I so I think it started to change around the mid, you know, early 2010s where people started to look at um, advanced statistics to help them make those decisions, and I think we're better for it. I, I'm not saying analytics is always right, yeah. but I think, I think the process has been improved through voters relying on those things as opposed to to wins and and things that players don't have a ton of control over, like yeah. RBIs and things like that. All right, AL um, MVP. So I still think it's Shohei Otani. Uh, you're going to – Because, I listen, if, if he doesn't win this MVP, can we get him the MVP award and, like, send him – or leave him where he's at? I don't want to hear about Otani no more. I'm really kind of done with it. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, he's just this unbelievable, uh, you know, phenomenon, two-way sensation – uh, 10 plus pitching wins and 30 homers in two straight seasons. Uh, nobody's obviously done that since Babe Ruth. So, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Babe Ruth is a fictional character, George. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, he's not real, but yeah, he's fictional. <laughs> I mean, totally, totally different eras. Um, yeah. but what Otani did, he was so dominant as a pitcher, and I think it's unfortunate because. There was so much weight put on him to produce, and he carried that team all year until literally his arm gave out on him. Yeah. Uh, and then the oblique went. 
So he, I think he'd been pitching through fatigue and playing through fatigue for so long that eventually his body just kind of broke down at the end. But so you just play, pick one side of the field and play that side of the field, bro. Right. So I think he's he's doing something we've never seen in the sport, really, um, outside of the Babe Ruth outlier from when it was a completely different game. I think he deserves this award. I think Corey Seager, Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. Julio Rodriguez had a, a – speaking like from a fantasy standpoint, people were talking about him as like a bust around midseason, and he really turned it on. He turned it up, yeah. Oh, I think he had like close to 20 homers. Uh, he was phenomenal in the second half uh, alone. So I think he's going to get some votes as well. But, yeah, I think it's Otani clearing away, and he's going to make a ton of money this offseason. He's going to cash in. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what the number is going to be, but I, I, like we talked about, I think it's going to be fascinating to see when he does sign because I think the market doesn't move until he moves. So yeah. we can see nothing happen basically till like January or February if he doesn't sign. Like, because there's going to be teams with money and they they're going to want to know whether or not he's coming or not. Yeah, because when are the minute when when are meetings in December, right? Yes, yeah, early December, and free agents have started you know, not signing to later on. And we, we do see some big deals happen in December, but um, guys have been willing to wait it out. And yeah. we'll see. I, I think Otani is going to be a fascinating case because people are going to want to look at the medicals. Like it's now a whole big thing. Oh like, yeah. I want to see that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like we saw with Carlos Correa, where if you're signing a guy to a, you know, a 10 year contract, <laughs> yeah, you want to be sure that he's going to hold up physically. So there's a lot of issues to, to discuss there when it comes to that contract. Hey, uh, yeah, no, I, I know that. I know that's going to be interesting. You know, I've been to um a couple. I remember what was that? The year of the the year the year the year of super storm super storm Sandy. I was working at Sirius XM and I went to our uh, first pitch. You ever been to first pitch, Arizona? Yeah, I've yeah, I've I've seen that. I haven't been myself, but I know all about the event. Yeah, they yeah, do it with the Arizona cool. Fall League, and yeah, yeah, it was pretty. I, I went out there with Cliff Floyd. Uh, we had a we had a time. Um, <laughs> shout out to my man Cliff Floyd. <laughs> we'll leave it at we'll leave it at that, George. Um, oh, I know what you mean. We're good. Yeah, yeah. No, we had it. We we enjoyed ourselves. Um, so Miggy retired, right? Miggy Miguel. Cabrera, how about that, my man Miguel Cabrera calling in a career. He is definitely about to say going into Canton, but that would be if he went into Canton, that would really be something. But he's going into Cooperstown, huh? He's like Miguel Cabrera is legit, bro. Shout out to Miggy. He's like Deion Sanders. I know, sports. right? <laughs> <laughs> he might have been able to play football. You never know. Um, you never know, yeah. No, obviously one of the greatest Venezuelan baseball players ever. Uh, you know, just a historic career. It was a bit strange to see it kind of just drag out the end yeah. there. But I think he, you know, was a force. The last guy to win a triple crown. I think yep. 2012 was the last time he did that. So. You know, I I don't think we're gonna we don't see too many players like him. And I remember Miguel Cabrera when he was a Marlin and beat the Yankees. Yeah, yeah uh huh. So I guess speaking of young guys coming up and contributing, he was what he 19, was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, exactly. That's right. He was one of those cats. You know what I'm saying? Like back back in that era, they got it started. You know what I mean? So shout yeah. out to Miguel Cabrera. Um, and like you're right, the, the the downturn because when I saw yesterday that he was retiring, I was like, he played this year. <laughs> yeah, so he was basically DH. I think he had to borrow a glove to go out and play first base. Papi, where is more? My God, I cannot find my glove. <laughs> no, yeah. He told one of his teammates, like, I don't have a glove. Like, <laughs> yeah. I need to borrow yours. So, um, yeah, I, I think Cabrera's had a phenomenal career. He's yeah. obviously going to go in the Hall of Fame in five years. And 
uh, just one of those guys who you're always going to remember as like the dominant him and yeah. Albert Pujols, I think for that era, the two most dominant offensive forces we've seen. And, and there aren't too many guys. My like, boy, Manny Ramirez too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, obviously I grew up in Boston yeah. area. So Manny was always the guy you knew, like was, was going to come through at the end. He was a little inconsistent, but when you needed him, he always seemed to step up and, Obviously, being there from New York, like the local guy. So know. being like, uh, you know, back when we was back when I was in high school, yeah. like if you went to New York City public school, you had to go to your zone school. Mm-hmm. And my zone school was George Washington High School where Manny Ramirez went. Now, yep. I didn't go to that school because if you're familiar with the Washington Heights area of New York, it'd be like 25-year-old men in high school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't think you're supposed to be in here. Um, and Manny Ramirez went to George Washington High School, and one time a buddy of mine, he went to a school called A. Philip Randolph, and they had a road game, and he had to pitch against Manny Ramirez. It was very ugly. Um, (laughs) Because Manny was not 17, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that's. (laughs) Speaking of like Albert Pujols and yes. all those guys, like <laughs> yeah. Miguel Tejada had the infamous one, um, you know, years ago. So, yeah, I, that, yeah, so that era, that era yeah, was so unique. Era of of uh, of it's, Major League Baseball. All right, let's get into this year's uh, MLB playoffs. We do have the Wild Card Series wrapped up. Uh, Texas Rangers versus Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are a minus one sixty four favorite. Minnesota Twins and Toronto Blue Jays. Twins, a minus 144 favorite. That's the American League. Two poverty franchises. or three poverty franchises. Four poverty franchises, if you ask me. Um, But then again, as a Yankee fan, I'm just being uh, uh, a hater. In the National League, the Philadelphia Phillies, minus 200 favorite against the Miami Marlins. And then we have the Milwaukee Brewers, a minus 192 favorite over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's start in the American League. Let's start with Rangers and Blue Jays. Uh, these Rangers Rays, right? So, um, the, I said, I meant, I meant to say, my, yeah, my bad. yeah. Well, I mean, the Rangers and Blue Jays had some iconic series, like a few years. Remember the Rugnet Odor and Jose? Yes, Pistola, yes, that, so. <laughs> that I, I was legendary that. right there. Yeah, I, none of those guys are still around, but that would have been a heck of a series. You get all yeah. the montages, uh, so we missed out on that. But I do think the Rays end up winning this series just because I like that their bullpen can shorten games. Um, Fairbanks is good. I don't know what, if Jason Adams coming back, one of their top setup guys. Um, he's had an oblique issue, so there's a chance he comes back. But uh, the Rangers are you know, star-studded team. That lineup's great. But if there's anything we know about the Rays, it's that they're creative with their pitching strategies. And if the the Rangers aren't able to score, and it's a tough place to to, to score runs in, in Tampa Bay, uh, that ballpark's one of the the worst in the league for offense so i also actually kind of like, it's also one of the worst yeah. in the league for fan for attendance <laughs> it's a lot of ways uh, for a lot of things but i i think the rays and their ability to shorten games of their bullpen i think that's going to be an advantage they have and um the rangers are really hot though so we'll see how the momentum goes if they hit they can win the series but the rays have, have shown a tendency to be able to do this to shorten those games and, and come away with winners all right, so shout out to them. What about the next major American League series? So Twins I, and Blue Jays. Twins the favorite in this one. Yeah, I I like the Blue Jays a little bit. If you're looking for an upset pick, I think that the Twins have enough question marks with their lineup right now where they have 
three guys coming off injuries where it's Carlos Correa. He's at the plantar fasciitis. Uh, Royce Lewis and um, Byron Buxton have had oblique issues, I think. Um, so those guys might be coming back. They might not. Correa is going to be there most likely. So I just think there's enough lineup questions. And then the back of their bullpen has been a little bit hit or miss uh, outside of Joe and Duran, their, their outstanding closer. So I think the Blue Jays have the talent to pull this off. And they have Jordan Romano, a great closer. Uh, their lineup's kind of underwhelmed, but it's it might be more talented than Minnesota's. So Toronto, if they get lucky, if they can take one here on the road to start the series, I think they got a good shot. All right. Shout out to the Blue Jays. That'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, the Blue Jays of Toronto. Philadelphia Phillies, Miami Marlins. This should be a pretty good one right here. Phillies are a $2 favorite versus the team from South Florida. Yeah, the Marlins, the issue, they don't have Sandy Alcantara, so that's a big loss for them. He probably would have taken the ball game one. So uh, Yuri Perez, their, their talented young right-hander, I think he makes an impact this series. But I like the Phillies because of the, the starting pitching. You're going to have Zach Wheeler uh, get the ball game one. Aaron Nola gets the ball game two. Those guys have been some of the most consistent playoff performers, and we saw it last year. So I think the Phillies, they can easily go out and just win these two games with their starting pitching. And they have a great bullpen, too. Uh, the Marlins have some questions in their bullpen. Tanner Scott's been good as their closer. But, you know, there are some real question marks in the middle innings for them. And they don't have Matt Moore, who they picked up off waivers. He's gone now because he wasn't eligible for the postseason when they got him on the roster. So, like, I don't know who's pitching the middle innings for Miami, really. Yeah. There, there's some real question marks there. And the Phillies have a great lineup. So... I think this is Philadelphia all the way. This is this is one I, I lean more towards a lock for me. Oh, okay. And then uh, Milwaukee Brewers and Arizona Diamondbacks to end out the wild card series. So I, I never want to count out the Diamondbacks, but the Brewers have that, that just trio of aces where you have Corbin Burns, Brandon mm -hmm. Woodruff, Freddie Peralta has pitched like an ace, and Devin Williams is one of the best relievers in baseball. So I think Milwaukee, basically their their strategy here is going to be to uh, try to keep these games low scoring. The one advantage Arizona has is that they can run. They can play small ball. They have like six or seven guys who have double-digit steals. Like everybody in their lineup can run. So that gives them a little bit of a chance here. If it's a low-scoring game, maybe they're able to mount a comeback uh, and, and scratch some runs across. But Milwaukee's pitching so good. I think they have a real edge in this series, especially with it being a shorter series. Yeah, especially in those short series. When you can get behind them aces like that, it's kind of difficult to sneak in there and get a win. But postseason baseball, one thing that I have learned from years of watching postseason baseball, which I will not be this year, um, <laughs> is that uh, clutch hits in the bullpen is what win championships. Clutch hitting yeah. and strong bullpen. So there you go right there. Um, you know, we got a couple minutes left, so just go ahead and we got one minute left. Who's going to be in the World Series? So I think the Braves are the consensus pick. Uh, I I like them a lot, but I think the Dodgers are really interesting to me. I think some of the arms they have and that lineup, you know, you have Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. Like, I just think the Dodgers find a way. So I like them. And on the American League side, um, surprisingly, I think the Astros figure out a way to do it. Um, with their pitching staff in their lineup. I think they'll do it. So yeah. that'll that's be a not, great series. That's not that's not how I want to end this show. <laughs> what you talking about the Houston Astros? <laughs> well, with that being said, it is what it is. You want to beat the you want to be the best, you got to go ahead and be the best. Don't forget sportstopia.io is the website. Content over there live right now. 
that optimizer, that contrarian edge optimizer is putting people in positions to win the Millie Maker. So you want to get involved with that one right there. So that's sportstopia.io and that contrarian edge optimizer. For my man George, MLB Fantasy Fire and Ice, we will see you later. Mm -hmm.